Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. Today is Mother's Day, as you've been hearing all morning long. It is our day as mothers of our community, mothers in our churches, mothers in our families, to be celebrated and honored for all that we do and all that we give back to our communities. This last week, I was doing an interview with someone, and they asked me specifically, what was the one thing about motherhood that surprised you? It was kind of interesting because my mind raced for a second because obviously there's a lot of things that we think we're prepared for, but not. But the one thing that kind of rose to the surface of my thinking was the fact that though I was prepared for the time investment that it was going to take to raise children, I was prepared and I knew that schedule, my schedule was gonna change, that my husband's schedule was gonna change. We had heard the horror stories of, you know, not getting enough sleep and, and all of those sorts of things. We'd heard the funny stories about, you know, disgusting things that happen to you as a mother when you get, you know, sorry guys, just to be honest, when you get peed on or thrown up on, those kinds of things. I'd heard all of those stories. So I was kind of prepared for that. I really was prepared for that sort of thing. What I wasn't fully prepared for, and I'm not sure that any of us can be fully prepared for until we're experiencing it, was the amount uh, that it took from every part of my being, spirit, soul, and body. I think I was prepared for the physical part of what it was going to take me, but I wasn't to, what, what it was going to take to be a mother, but I don't know if I was completely prepared for the emotional part of what it, there were days when my kids were younger, especially when you just kind of collapsed in bed at night because you've worked all day long and you've invested in these kids and you've taken care of them and you're happy to do it and you're willing to do it. But at the end of the day, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I, for one, was not fully prepared for that and had to very quickly learn how to invest in myself and how to build my own spirit and soul up so that I had something to continue to pour out to my kids. So today, as we move forward in this message today, I'm praying that today, all day long, you are feeling strength being poured back into you as a mom, that you are feeling hope being poured back into you as a mom. Because for some of you, you might be facing difficult circumstances with your children today. And, and I just want to speak hope and faith and life to you today for you to once again believe that God can fix that relationship, that he can restore that relationship with your child, that he can bring them back. If you've got a prodigal son or daughter, God can see them too, and he cares about them as much as you do. And I'm believing today as we move forward in this service and in this message that you're gonna feel faith stir up in you again. Faith is gonna rise up on the inside of you and strength is coming to you as a mom. We want you to be celebrated today. We want you to be honored today. And I just want to take a moment before we get into the message 
to speak to those mothers who maybe have desired or to those women who maybe have desired motherhood but have yet to experience i want hope and faith to rise in your heart today to to continue to believe that god created you for fruitfulness and that fruitfulness will come to you and to your life that those children are coming to you one way or another if you have a heart for children if you have a heart to be a mother god placed that in you for a reason and so we want hope to come to you today if you've lost your mother she's no longer with you here on the earth today i want you to celebrate the memories of what she invested in your life celebrate what god did through her for you in your life today yeah you miss her we always miss those people that we love the most but today let's celebrate what god did through your mother for your life today all right all right let's get into the word of god today you know the funny thing is is over the last several weeks i have been on both this side of a church service here in the sanctuary and I've also been on the other side where you're sitting today standing in my living room dancing and worshiping sitting on my sofa with a cup of coffee taking notes while I heard the message preached the one thing I'm grateful for whether I'm here or whether I'm at home like you are today I'm so grateful that we still have this way to connect that we still have this way to experience the presence of God together and that we still have this way to hear the word of God together. Today, I think I have a word especially for the women. It's going to be a good word for men too, but I want the ladies especially to lean into what I have to say today. I believe faith is going to be stirred in your heart. Faith may be from a different perspective than what you have previously thought. So let's get into the word of God today, okay? I love the stories of the women of the Bible. I love them. They're my favorites among the stories for obvious reasons. I'm a woman. I probably get the most inspiration from their stories. But the ones that particularly stand out to me are the ones where the woman ends up, her story ends in a place that it should not, from a natural perspective, have ended. Where God takes her from one place and places her smack dab in the will of God by no, by, by no means that she could have done herself. Women like Esther. Esther should not have ended up in the palace. Esther should not have ended up, she and her uncle Mordecai should not have ended up with the level of authority and influence that they had in, in the kingdom. I like the stories of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner in a strange, in a, in a land. She followed Naomi back and her story became um, just the most amazing story, but it wasn't anything that she could have done in herself. And today I wanna to talk about another one of those women, one that for me, Funnily enough, when you hear who it is, is actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Today I wanna to talk about Rahab. Rahab the harlot, 
as they say. They never just say Rahab. We always say Rahab the harlot because it's connected to her story. It's connected to her story in Joshua, the second chapter and the sixth chapter of Joshua. And so today I want to talk about Rahab because I think Rahab was a force to be reckoned with. I really do. I think that she was a woman. Her, her name, her actual name means wide, large expanse, big space, not typically words that we would want to describe us as women for sure. I don't want you to use the word, the descriptive word wide when you're talking about me, but that's what her name means. And I believe when Rahab entered a room, she kind of created some space in that room. Not physical space, but her presence created some space in that room. So let's read a couple verses of scripture here together. I want you to turn to Joshua, the second chapter. I hope you have your Bibles or your computers, your laptops, your phones, something out. And let's just read a few verses here to kind of set the stage for Rahab's story. In Joshua, the second chapter, verse number one, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as scouts, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Let's skip down to verse number nine. And it says, and she said to the men, this is speaking of Rahab, I know the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the east side of the Jordan at Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So they've got a picture of who these Israelites are and and. So let's continue on. Verse number 11. When we heard it, our hearts melted. Neither did spirit or courage remain anymore in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Verse number 12. Now, I pray you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a sure sign and save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all they have and deliver us from death. And the men said to her, these are the two spies that Joshua had sent into Jericho, our lives for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, in other words, if you keep our secret that we were here, Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through a window for her house was built into the town wall so that she dwelt in the wall. Now let's jump over to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, which we often refer to as the the hall of faith. It's the scripture where we see recounted the faith of the different men and women of God throughout the history of the church. And at verse number 31, lo and behold, here is this harlot Rahab mentioned right there with Abraham, with Isaac, with Sarah, with Joshua. Right there is Rahab the harlot. Verse number 31 says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not. She perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. 
Like I said, Rahab is one of those women that kind of stands out to me in scripture. She's one of those women that I feel like in some ways I can relate with and obviously in other ways I can't relate with her. But, but I can relate with her because I think she was a woman, like I said earlier, that she was a woman that could be reckoned with. She was a woman that when she walked into a room, people knew she was there. I also think she was a woman, and we, we can kind of read this between the lines of the, the part of the story that we know about her, that she was a woman who wasn't afraid to kind of step outside the lines of cultural norms and to kind of go against the flow, push against the grain a little bit. The Bible tells us that she was a business owner, and most scholarship, you know, she's referred to most often as Rahab the harlot, but most most people who have studied and scholars who have studied the Bible will also say that she was a legitimate innkeeper, that that's the reason that the spies kind of landed on her doorstep because she had a legitimate inn where people would come and lodge for the evening. Now, it also sounds like that she had a little side hustle going on. She had a, a brothel going on. But nonetheless, she had a, a business. She was a business owner, and she was pretty good at it, too. She was pretty good at running her business. She was a successful businesswoman. We know this because of where she lived. We know this because her house was located in the wall. And, and your house wasn't located in the wall if you didn't have a little bit of means about yourself. So you and I both know that it takes a little bit of something to build a successful business. It takes a little bit of grit. It takes a little bit of push through. It takes a whole different level of faith, a faith to kind of fight through some things sometimes. And so I believe that Rahab was that kind of woman. And this is the part of her that I love so much because I feel like anytime we're going to achieve anything that God has set out for us, anytime we're going to seek success in our lives, it's going to be because we know how to fight with our faith. Because we know we have a faith to fight through a few things. But the thing that I find interesting about Rahab is when it talks about her in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, it doesn't say that she received the spies because she fought. It says she received the spies in peace. And so I think though Rahab had a mind of her own, she wasn't afraid to think for herself. She obviously, like other people in the city, was paying attention and looking and observing how God was with the Israelites and with Joshua and how they were winning battle after battle after battle. And so I believe that Rahab, when she sat up on her house in the wall and looked out the window, that she saw the encampment of the Israelites. This was even before they started marching around the city walls. But she saw the encampment of the Israelites. And I believe that Rahab, in that moment, said, I'm not going to fight with these people. I'm going to find a way to make peace with these people. Because though fighting and war and talk of war and was circulating, no doubt, all around her and circulating all through the streets of Jericho and among the leaders of Jericho, no doubt those were their their conversations, those were their questions. How are we going to fight and defend ourselves against the Israelites when they come? What have we learned about how, how other people have fought against them? But somehow in the middle of all of that, Rahab chose not to fight, but to be at peace. Yes. 
So I've come here today to talk to us because while Jericho was preparing for peace, Rahab was, while Jericho was preparing for war and to fight, Rahab was preparing for peace. I don't think that she decided in the spur of the moment when the two spies showed up on her doorstep, showed up at her inn. I don't think she decided right then, there, in that moment. I think she decided before they got there that I'm going to be at peace with these people. I'm going to find a way for my faith to be at peace with them and not feel like I have to fight with them. So my question for us today And I'm speaking especially to the women today. Do we have faith for peace or do we only have faith to fight? Do we have faith for peace? Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time for fighting. There's a time for our faith to fight, to rise up. A time for us to pick up our sword and our shield. There's a time for that. There's a time for us to go to war, to take territory that God has declared is ours. There's a time for us to defeat an enemy or a foe in the name of the Lord. There's a time for that. That's what Ecclesiastes 3 says. There's a time for war. But it also says there's a time for peace. There's a season for it. There's a space of time where we don't pick up sword and shield and fight, but we instead use our faith for peace. There's a time for peace, just like there's a time for war. And I think throughout the story of, of Rahab, we see that she chose to use her faith for peace and not for war. It's so easy for us when we look around the world today and we look even around our own communities that so many people are, it seems as if everyone is fighting for something. Everyone is fighting for a piece of the pie. Everyone is fighting for a seat at the table, for space in the room, for their voice to be heard. Everybody is trying to defend themselves from this thing or that thing, from this person or that person, from this group or that group. But Ecclesiastes tells us that we can't be in war at all times because war is only for a season. Fighting is only for a season. Rahab discovered that her faith could be used for peace as well. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. There's a time for your faith to go into battle and there's a time for your faith to be still and know that he is God. And I want to remind you today that if your faith works in battle, it also works in peace. If your faith works in a battle, it also works in peace in peace and we have to have strong faith whether it's a season of war and fighting or if it's a season of peace and Rahab chose in the midst of war all around her and the talk of war all around her she chose peace she chose to be at peace Because though it seemed as if it was a season of war around her, for Rahab, for her, it was not that season. For her, it was a a season of peace. 
she discerned and chose to believe in the God of the Israelites, even if she didn't fully understand him at that point, even if she didn't fully know God for herself at that point. She chose to believe in the God of Israel, and she chose to discern that this is not my season for war. This is my season for peace. Now, before we go any further, let me just clarify for you what I mean by peace. Because there are a few things that we can look at through the, the story of Rahab that give us an indication or give us an idea of what is meant by peace. First of all, peace is not lack of chaos or trouble or storm. We can see that. Rahab had faith for peace, but there was storms and chaos and trouble all around her. But so peace is not the lack of storm or trouble or chaos. Peace is a heart of faith right smack dab there in the middle of the storm. Faith is like being able to stand in the eye of a tornado or a hurricane and see it swirling all around you, but be at peace in the middle of it. Because you know God is with you right there in the storm. So peace is not the lack of chaos or trouble or storm. Peace is a heart of faith in the middle of the storm. Rahab was able to stand in the middle of the storm that was going all on all around her and discern that this was her season for peace. To be able to put her faith forward for peace and not for war. The second thing that peace is, is peace is not in activity. Peace is God-directed in-season strategic movement. Because Rahab didn't just say, I won't fight and just stand there with her hands hanging to her sides. No, Rahab put a plan in place to move toward peace. When the spies came, she received them in peace. When, she, when they were in her house, she hid them. When the soldiers from Jericho came looking for them, she hid them on the roof and she calmly dismissed those soldiers. So peace is not inactivity. Peace does not mean that we're just standing there with our hands hanging down. I don't know about you, but for me, it just seems like when I have a fight in front of me, when I feel like I'm supposed to be picking up my sword and my shield, my faith really gets stirred for a fight. I can feel my faith. I can find my faith for a fight because I feel like I have a target. But sometimes when I feel like God is saying, no, your best weapon right now is peace. Be still. Sometimes in those moments, it's difficult for me to find my faith because I feel like I should be doing something. But I'm here to remind us again that God is with us in battle and in peace. He is with us in both places. And just because we don't get to stand up and do something with our, with our hands like we're fighting something does not mean that peace is not working for us. Does not mean that God is not working for us. So peace is not inactivity. Peace is God-directed in-season movement. In other words, you stand until you hear a word from God. And directly connected with that is this, peace is not silent. Sometimes it feels quiet, but it is not silent. Peace is always saying something. Peace is accurate, an accurate, specific wisdom and understanding declared over a situation. 
Let me say that again. Peace is not silent. Peace is accurate, specific wisdom and understanding declared over a situation. In other words, peace waits for a word from God before it speaks. When the moment was right, when Rahab had welcomed the spies in peace into her home, when Rahab had had some conversations with them, when the moment was right, she spoke up and she asked for her family to be saved. She asked for her family specifically, not just for her life, but for her mother, her father, her brothers, her sisters, for all of them to be saved. And when she spoke up and asked that, the spies replied to her was, our lives for yours if we don't come back and save you. Now here's what you need to do. You can go read the rest of the story for yourself. Here's what you need to do, Rahab. You need to make sure that all of your family stays right here in this place that they don't leave your house, that they don't go outside the doors of this house because if they go out there in the streets, we can't guarantee their safety. We can't guarantee that they'll be saved. But if they stay right here in this house, we guarantee that they will be saved. So peace is, peace is not silent. Peace is an accurate, specific, is accurate, specific wisdom and understanding declared over a situation. Peace waits for a word from God before it speaks. And the last thing is peace is not weak. Peace is not weak. Peace is strength under control. Peace is not weak. I know it feels like it is sometimes when you feel like you're not being able to do what it is you think you should be doing. But we're talking about, do you have faith for peace today? Not do you have faith to fight? We know you got faith to fight. Do you have faith for peace today? So peace is not weak. Peace is strength under control because Rahab had the courage she needed to walk out the plan. When the walls came down and the Israelites came in to take the city and war was happening and the scripture says that it was, the city was burning all around them, it would have been easy in that moment for Rahab and her family to let fear grip their hearts, to let apprehension grip their hearts, to, to doubt whether or not the spies were going to follow through on the word that they spoke. It would have been easy for them in that situation, but peace is not weak and so in peace peace is strength under control and so she took a hold of her fears and she took a hold of her doubts and she said to her family we're going to stay right here we're going to stick with the word of God that was spoken to us concerning this situation and we're going to stay right here in this house peace is not weak strength under control she was a strong woman. The way that I've described her, she did not wait for things to happen. She made things happen. Imagine if you're that kind of person who wants to get out there and make things happen, who wants to be able to say to your family, hey, follow me, I'm gonna lead us out of this city. There was a part of her, I'm sure, that felt as if I want to do this, but peace is not weak. Peace is strength under control. And so she took all of that strength that she had and she put it under control and said, we're going to stay right here in the place where we were told to stay. We're going to stick with the word of God. 
Let me say to you in just these four quick statements, peace stands on the word of God, peace moves by the word of God, peace speaks the word of God, peace is empowered by the word of God. Let me say those four things again. Peace stands on the word of God, peace moves by the word of God, peace speaks the word of God, and peace is empowered by the word of God. Philippians 4 is a familiar passage of scripture to most of us who have been in the church for a while. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your moderation or your gentleness, not your aggression, not your ability to fight a thing out, but let your gentleness, let that peaceable part of who you are, let that be known to all men. Why? Because God is with you. God is near. And because God is near, don't be anxious about anything. It's easy when the storm is swirling around you to start asking yourself, what if this and what if that? And if I don't do this, what if this happens? And if I don't say this, this might happen. It's easy for us in those moments. But the scripture is saying, be gentle, be peaceable, be at peace. The Lord is with you. Don't get anxious about anything, but in everything, just make your requests known to God. Because, and this is the part of this verse, this passage that I want to focus on for the next couple minutes, because the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep or guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, the peace of God that is faith forward, strategic in movement, that's specific in word and strong, that kind of peace. That kind of peace will surpass your understanding. You know, when we understand something, it's because literally the word means to be able to stand under something, to carry the weight of it, to carry the responsibility of it. So when we understand something in our natural selves, that's a reflection of our own ability. But this scripture is telling us that the peace of God will surpass your natural ability, will surpass your natural ability to carry the weight of something, to carry the responsibility of something. And it does it, it takes the focus off of your ability and puts the focus on his ability. Because he can carry what you can't. He can carry the weight of what you can't. And so sometimes we get caught up in the fight and think that we can fight our way through a thing when God is saying, this is not your season to fight. This is your season for peace. This is your season to let me be your guard, not to try to defend and to guard yourself, but to let me be your guard. The peace of God will surpass your ability and put, his, put the focus on his ability and it will set guard or keep both your heart and your mind. That word guard there means that not only it keeps vigilant watch over and it protects and it keeps, but it monitors and it controls access as to what comes and goes. What, what has access to you and what you have access to. Because setting guard over something not only keeps out what is not wanted, but it keeps safe what is wanted. 
It keeps out what could harm outside and it keeps what is valued inside. Rahab and her family stayed inside the house. The peace that she had made with the Israelites, her faith for peace, peace that she had made with Joshua and the spies and the children of Israel, that peace set guard over the doorway of her house. And it kept her family safe. It kept what value, what she valued most safe on the inside. And it kept what could harm on the outside from getting in. The peace of God does this. God is with you. His peace is with you. That peace saved Rahab's family. It saved her family. What should have harmed them didn't harm them because she had faith for peace, not faith for war. There's a time for that. This is not the time for that with Rahab. This was not her season for war. This was her season for peace. I think as women sometimes that because we are nurturers by nature, because we have so many things in our lives that we want to see protected and guarded and kept safe, that we, if we are not careful, will keep ourselves in a constant state of spiritual and emotional and physical war, like we're fighting everything and everybody around us. And, and if that child has gone wayward, we think we got to fight, fight, fight for God to fix that. When in, in fact, maybe, just maybe, God is saying to us, this is not a season for war. This is a season for peace. This is a season for you to lay down your sword, to lay down those things that you think you should use in battle. And maybe your greatest defense now is going to be my peace and not your ability to fight a thing. Maybe your greatest weapon right now is your faith for peace and not for war. We know that Rahab and her family were saved because if we fast forward to Joshua, the sixth chapter, when the walls came down and the Israelites invaded the city and it was burning all around and no, no doubt battles and fights and skirmishes were happening between the Israelites and the citizens of Jericho and the armies of Jericho. But Joshua said to the two men, to the spies, you remember the promise that you made to Rahab the harlot. And you go and you get her and her family and you bring them outside the city and you set them up outside the Israelite camp. And that's exactly what the two spies did. If you go read in, in Joshua, the, the sixth chapter, verse number 23, it says, so the spies, the young men, the spies went in and they brought out Rahab. They brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all of her kindred, all of her kindred, and set them outside the camp of Israel. And though the city burned all around them, Joshua saved Rahab and her family and her household, everything. And to me, that would be enough if that's where Rahab's story stopped. That God, that she had used her faith for peace, 
that she had directed her faith towards making peace with the Israelites, with the one true God, that she believed him, that in and of itself, that part of her story would have been victory enough. But I have to tell you that that's not where Rahab's story stops. Because not only did God deliver Rahab and save her, and not only did she come to believe in the one true God of the Israelites, but God also, in his great sovereignty, he positioned her in a place that Rahab never could have positioned herself by her own means. She could not have done this for herself. When she first came, when she and her family first came out, Joshua said, set them up outside the camp of the Israelites. So at first she was set up outside the camp of the Israelites. But at some point, that position changed. Here's how we know. Because if we fast forward several generations and we read in Matthew, the first, first chapters of Matthew and Luke, and we see the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus and, and his family lineage and where he came through, right smack dab in the middle of it is Rahab. Rahab, this Canaanite woman who should have been seen and treated as an enemy of Israelite, of the Israelites, because she had faith for peace. God not only saved her, but he positioned her to be in the genealogy and the line of Jesus' family. Because somewhere she moved from outside the camp because she married a man from the tribe of Judah by the name of Salmon, whose name interestingly enough means garment or covering. Don't tell me that God doesn't know how to connect you to your covering. When you can't make it happen, he knows how. That is a whole nother message we'll have to save for a whole nother day. But it's interesting to me that God connects her with a man named Salmon who covers her, who protects her. And he's from the tribe of Judah. And Salmon and Rahab have a son by the name of Boaz. And Boaz, as you know, marries Ruth who also was a woman who God took from a foreign land and put smack dab in the middle of his plan and his purpose for her life. And Boaz and Ruth have a son by the name of Obed. And Obed has a son by the name of Jesse. And Jesse has a son, his youngest son, by the name of David, who you and I both know was anointed to be king of Israel. And like I said, if we jump forward several generations, we see Mary giving birth to Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, and right smack dab in the history of Jesus' arrival on the planet, on planet Earth, is a woman who is described as a harlot, who is described in unsavory terminology according to our culture and according to our times and according to what we, how we would label her. But right there in the middle of Jesus' family history is Rahab. So God not only preserved her, but he positioned her. My prayer for us today, women of God, is that we will understand the power of peace that we will understand that we don't always have to fight, that we don't always have to go to war to get or to preserve what's valuable and important to us, but that our faith can be used for peace as well. 
that when we understand and discern the season that God has us in, that it's okay for us to lay down our weapons. It's okay for us to stand in the middle of the storm that might be swirling all around us and to understand that God is right there with us. He's with us in battle and he's with us in peace. And so it might be time for you to stop fighting. It might be time for you to use your faith for peace, to lay down your weapons and to be still and to know that God is your guard, that God is your defense. And my prayer for us today is that when you use your faith for peace, that you will know that your enemy is being kept at bay and that what you value and what you love most is being protected and that it's being kept that on the outside what has been sent to harm you is being kept away from you and what you value most is being kept safe on the inside because you have faith for peace not just faith for war but faith for peace and my prayer is also that that peace of God will position you for the will of God in your life, that it will put you in the right place at the right time with the right people for the purpose and the plan of God, for the victory of God to be seen in your life. And so today, I just wanna pray with you. Today, we put every fear that would try to come at us, we put it under our feet. We put every doubt under our feet. We put chaos and confusion under our feet. And particularly in this climate that we're dealing with today, we put every bit of plaguing uncertainty about what the future holds, what tomorrow holds, what the next hour holds. We put it all under our feet because God is with us. In the middle of the storm, we are at peace because God is with us. And I know that for some of us, we may hesitate, we may wanna hesitate to, um, to, because of Rahab's shaky beginnings, we may wanna hesitate to liken ourselves to her and to say, I wanna be just like Rahab. But today, I wanna tell you, put all of her shaky beginnings aside and say with me, I wanna be like Rahab. I wanna be a woman who hears and knows the season that God has me in. And no matter what seems to be trying to dictate to me the season, that I'm gonna hear a word from heaven. And if God is calling me to a season of peace, then I am going to stand with my faith, faith purposed for peace today. Women of God, let's all know our season. Let's have the faith to step into it and the courage to walk it out. Let's be like Rahab. The God of all peace is with you today. The God of all peace is with you today. Know the season that God has you in. You in. Stand in faith and understand that if God is with you in the battle, he is also with you in peace and he is fighting for you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Jackie, let's sing that song very quickly. God is with you. 
that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.